We've been teaching on continuing the mission. Continuing the mission. Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, he gave instructions. And those instructions was the mission he wanted us to carry out. And so we want to be focused. And we want to be obedient in carrying out the mission that Jesus has instructed us to carry out. I want to say this. Yes, times have changed and we're challenged with so many things all around us. The most challenging thing we have in our life is our cell phone. That's the most challenging thing we're dealing with in this hour. It's challenging for the most part because of what we view and listen to and read on the cell phone. One of the things I've learned so much is whatever you put into your mind, whether by reading whether by viewing or whether by listening, it having a tendency to show up again in your life. Yes, Lord. And so you can see something that you say, I know that's wrong. Here's what we don't realize. We look at it and we know it's wrong and we say, well, I have control over that. And you probably do. But here is the point and here's the problem with that. You put yourself now in places and situations where you're going to deal with temptation. When you view the wrong things, when you listen to the wrong things, when you, when you begin to allow yourself to indulge in things that you feel like, well, they're doing it, but I'm not because I have control. I hear you, but you're going to struggle because there's going to come back again in your life that thought of what you saw. And now you have to wrestle with that thought to say whether you have control over it or not. And will you be strong enough at the moment when that thought come to you? of the thing you saw, heard, or read when that thought come back to you. What do you do? Where are you in your walk with God at that time? Did you forget to pray that morning? Did you barely pray that morning? Or are you strong that day? You don't know. But that thought, that vision is going to come back to your mind. So it's important to know what we're putting into our mind by viewing it, by reading it, and by listening to it. And so we're distracted because we have viewed a lot of things. Again, here we go. It's not always wrong. Because we like to say, I'm not doing anything wrong. You have to have control over your soul. What goes into your soul? What is on your mind? You have to have control over those things. And a lot of times you may not be looking at something that's just really foul. Or listen to something that's really foul or read. But nevertheless, it leads you down a path that you have to deal with that you wouldn't have to deal with if you just, just refrain from it. Yeah. Yeah. And so our minds are busy and things are getting in. I said all that to say this. A lot of things are getting through from what you read, what you view, and what you heard. 
because you're not operating and flowing according to your purpose in God. If we continue to ignore or just when we feel like it, flow in the purpose of God, we're going to deal with a lot of things that we wouldn't have to deal with otherwise if we would have just every day wake up and allow our focus to be, I am operating in my purpose in God. And so... That's where your struggle is. Sometimes we want some great revelation from the pastor or whoever is ministering, or you dig in the scriptures to find some great revelation. But God has never made things complicated for us. He didn't make it where, okay, Sam, you smart, so you'll be able to figure it out. But that guy over there, he's dumb, so he won't figure it out. That's kind of how we treat God. Again, do we really know who he is? Because if we know, we'll know that he tries to make things simple as possible so we all can get it. Not so somebody else can have it and you can't. God is not interested in trying to make somebody smarter than you. It's not the plan of God. So we have to stop and realize that if we're going to be able to overcome the things that we struggle with, the first place we must start is our purpose in God. That is how we will overcome and that's how we will defeat the things that are trying to get into our life to cause distraction. And then we find ourselves now having to deal with things that we wouldn't normally have to deal with if we were focused on our purpose. Then things won't bother you as much when you're operating according to your purpose when things don't go right, it don't matter a whole lot when you're flowing in purpose because you're like, well, okay, all right. But that has nothing to do with my purpose in God. And so if you're going to make this journey successful, you're going to have to flow in your purpose each and every day. You're going to have to flow in your purpose each and every day. And so we started, when we started teaching on continuing the mission. We started with Matthew chapter 28 verse 19. And we talked about the go ye therefore and teach all nations. What did we say teach mean? Uh oh. That's why I got to go back. Make disciples. Uh huh. Make disciples. So when it says go. It says go. To, to move. You have to move. You can't make disciples stand still. You can't make disciples stand still. Because one of the definition for disciple is following. How you follow something that stays still? Okay. So the only way to make disciples is God has instructed us to do is by going. Get on the journey. Start moving. And then he says teach. Teach can be done in many ways. As we said, for most of us, the first thing I would like for you to do when you go with the intention of making disciples, just invite somebody to church. If you can teach them the gospel and who Jesus is, by all means do it. 
But if right now you're more comfortable with just inviting them to church, just invite them to church. Don't you worry about where the church is located. The man that got into the UN had no idea he could get into the 27th floor of the UN. He's in the United Nation. He brought the general superintendent, Brother Bernard, in the United Nation one time to do a Bible study. They had no idea. Because most of the times, we want to think the people or the churches or, yeah, the churches. Let me just leave it right there. That know how to be politically correct are the ones that will get that kind of opportunity. Yes, uh-huh. And we keep thinking that us people that believe in the name of Jesus, believe that there is only one God, believe that you must repent of your sins and be baptized in Jesus' name, be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, live holy and righteous. We keep thinking that, oh, if we don't, Lessen some of those things that we know people won't understand us. Stop worrying about people understanding you. Stop wanting people to understand you. Stop trying to live for God so people feel like, okay, you, you, okay, I see where you're coming from. That's not what God is responsible for. That's not what God is trying to get us to be. God wants us to be godly, Christ-like. He wants to demonstrate his power in our life. He wants when he do what he does, people have to say, only but Jesus could have done that. The stuff that we do, we take away the glory from God. Because we're going to try to fix up things the way it will look right, politically correct. And so when it's done, people will still sit back and say, we want to try to brag that yeah the Lord blessed it and people look like look look at it and said no that, that had nothing to do with no blessing from the Lord why because you fixed it that way because you was afraid to be who you are in God so God can show His great power through you so God says to go in all the nation go in all the world and make disciples teach. And then we say baptizing, the scripture says baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And I asked you the questions, the question, why didn't we baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? Why didn't we do that? Anybody want to answer that real quick? Why you didn't get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Yes, sir? Amen. Any other answer? Thank you very much, Sister Sharon. She says, one name, name, name doesn't mean names. So we didn't say to go baptize in three different names. And Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are not names. They're titles. So when he said it, he knew what he was talking about. So that's the only way it could work was if you got baptized in his name. So he was, he was clear in what he said. Our challenge is how we wanted to interpret it. That's another thing we have to look at in the things of God. How do you interpret God's word as opposed to how God's word is written? God don't need any, any help. He doesn't need help. He just needs us to be obedient. So when, it, when you read his word, you don't need to read it to make it fit. When you read his word, just look at it for what it says.
and it will answer your questions. And so he says, go ye into all the nation, making disciples, baptizing them. And then we says in verse 20, we says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm always with you, even until the end of the earth. We said the second teaching will be your lifelong learning experience for the, for, for, the, for the work that God will do through you for the rest of your life. The ministry that God wants to work through you for the rest of your life, God will do it once you go through the steps of becoming a disciple, getting baptized, then God will begin to shape your, your, your ministry that will be your lifelong ministry. Everybody in here has got a lifelong ministry. And so God wants to bring it to fruition, but it's going to take you becoming a disciple. I might have mentioned this last week, but I'll mention it this week again, again, because I got to keep things fresh in your mind. Anybody know the difference between a Christian and a disciple? You smiling, Zion? I'm going to teach y'all. Y'all going to learn. What's the difference between a Christian and a disciple? There's no difference. Trick question. No difference. Because as a Christian, we say we're followers of what? Okay. As a disciple, we're what? What's the difference? Why do we cling to being Christians more than we cling to being a disciple? Since they're both the same. Why we don't go around a lot, Lukey, and says, oh, I'm a disciple of Christ. But we say, oh, I'm a Christian quickly. It's the same thing. But why do we continue to want to say, I'm a Christian, as opposed to say, I'm a disciple of Christ? I'll tell you since you don't want to answer. Christian title seems to come with not so much requirements. <laughs> if I say I'm a disciple, I start thinking about those that followed Christ in the Bible, and I ain't trying to do that. But at the end of the day, they're the same. Go and read your book. Go and read the book and see what disciples and what Christians did. See if their job descriptions was any different. See if the requirement for their life was any different. A Christian and a disciple. But we like to be called a Christian. We will be quick to say I'm a Christian. But I'm telling you tonight, according to the scripture, we are Christians slash disciples. Either one you want to use. But both have the same requirements. So by saying a Christian, that doesn't give you the right now to feel good. Well, yeah, I'm just being a Christian. Because Christian mean, you know, I just take life as it is. As long as I pray and read my Bible, I'm a Christian. Discipleship comes with a whole lot behind it. And so we don't want to utter the word discipleship. Because if we have to utter that word, it means I got to get off my tush and go. <laughs> That's what it says. It says, go ye. And we don't want to go. If I'm a Christian, it don't, it means I don't have to go. But if I'm not a Christian and I'm a disciple, I have to go. 
I just said something that was erroneous. Christians and disciples must go. Both are required to make disciples. Hmm. You don't believe me? I got a lot of information for you. I can take you in a few directions. But let's go Acts chapter Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Making disciples is what a disciple supposed to do. We're supposed to reproduce ourselves. <laughs> How come we know we're supposed to re- reproduce ourselves by having children, but somehow we don't know? We can't stop the young girls from getting pregnant early. Some of us were some where we got pregnant early. They just knew, I'm going to have my baby. We got the young boys, I'm going to get her pregnant. She, no, there ain't nobody doing it. They, we, we didn't do it right, but we just knew we want to produce something or reproduce ourselves. The man want to produce his boy? That's my boy. Girl want to have her baby? My baby. We are driven to do that. So it is in the natural. So it should be in the spiritual. Why aren't we driven the same way in the spiritual to reproduce ourselves spiritually? Yeah, we want our boy to run around looking like us. We want our little princesses. We got it. We want that. And that comes natural. But why is it not natural to reproduce ourselves? Because here's the story. We could say spiritually we don't want to reproduce ourselves because maybe we feel like we're not up to par. You had your child and you wasn't up to par. How many of us had our kids when we was married and doing well? Not a lot. Some did, but wasn't a whole lot of us that had the kids when we were pregnant and doing well. It never stopped us from having kids. So why is it going to stop you from reproducing yourself spiritually now? What's the excuse? So, we're supposed to be continuing the mission of Jesus Christ, that he left the disciples to go forth and continue. So let me show you that there's no difference between Christians and disciples in what we're required to do. Acts chapter 8 verse 1. Verse 1 says, and Saul, we remember Saul before he became Paul, right? And Saul was consenting unto his death. That was Stephen's death. Stephen, they stoned him. And so while they were stoning him, this is the first time Paul showed up in scripture. While they were stoning him, Saul, who wasn't the apostle Paul yet, was holding their stuff. You know, you know, I used to go when you were a kid, hold my stuff so I can knock him out. Oh my stuff, I'm going to knock him out. So you give your coat, your hat and everything to your buddy and you go fight. Well, well, that's what they did. 
those, those people that were persecuting Christians, they gave their stuff to Paul. The Apostle Paul, before he was Apostle Paul, he was Saul. All our stuff, we're going to stone this guy. And so they were stoning Stephen to death. And Paul was there holding their stuff. And at the time, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Church was being persecuted. Can I tell you something? I know sometimes some of us just want to lay low because we just don't want to feel rejected and really ridiculed and talked about. You can't help that. You can lay low all you want. At some point in time, you're going to have to reveal. You're going to have to say something and you're going to be persecuted. Why? You think that the, 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 the Christians back in the day got persecuted, but you in 2017, you're good. You won't be persecuted. Uh, it don't work that way. If they went through something, we're going to have to go through something. So the church was being persecuted at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea and Samaria. Who was scattered? Come on now, don't be afraid to say it, spill it out. Who was scattered? The church. Okay. So it says, and great persecution came against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea. So the church was being persecuted, and so the church was scattered. Now, can I ask you a question? Can God stop the persecution of the church? If somebody wants to come against you, can God stop it? Okay, he didn't stop that one. There are some things that the Lord Jesus Christ will not stop. Because it has to work for your good. For all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. So there are some things that God will not stop because it's going to work for your good. So the church was being persecuted, me and you. We are the church. You understand that? Do you understand that the church is not a building, but the church are people that's repented of their sins, baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and living right, talking right? Do you understand that's the church? Okay. So the church was being persecuted, and so because they were being persecuted, they went scattered all throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, it says, except the apostles. Why, why wasn't the apostles, um, why wasn't the apostles scattered? Question, why wasn't the apostles scattered, but the rest of the congregation was scattered? Holy Ghost operating now. Holy Ghost. I'm right here. Pay attention to me. Y'all can't get um, distracted. I'm right here. I'm right here. Come on now. Don't blame the building smaller. We got distracted. I'm teaching something that's really vital. Here I am. Look at me. Why the laity or the the people in the church were scattered, but the apostle, the apostles was not scattered? Hmm? Okay. They already need a plan. Anybody else? Apostles, the Bible says, to be called an apostle, it means you were, you are a sent individual. 
So when you hear people saying, I'm apostle, sometimes we get all nervous about certain titles. When you hear somebody say, I'm apostle, what it means is God sent them to a city, to a town, to some place to go do his will. So an apostle is a sent one. The rest of them were not sent. So they were at Jerusalem because they were directed to be there. The rest of the church did not receive that instructions or that those instructions. So because they were sent, you follow me Zion? Can you look like you follow me? Because they were sent, they knew where they needed to be. What am I trying to tell you about this? They knew their purpose. So when mess start and persecution start, if you don't know what you're supposed to do, what we are experiencing now is not persecution, it's distraction. But if you don't know what you're supposed to do, you will be distracted. But if you know what you're supposed to do, it doesn't matter how much the cell phone ring. It doesn't matter how many text messages you get. It doesn't matter how many times you get on Snapchat. It doesn't matter how many times you are on Facebook or Twitter. It doesn't matter how many times you're going live on your Facebook and sending it. It doesn't matter how many times you're doing those things. If you know what you're supposed to do, you won't be distracted. So you're being distracted because you don't know what you're supposed to do. Or, you've been in this class for three weeks, you know what you're supposed to do, but you don't want to do it. That's why you're distracted. And when you're distracted, you will be driven away or lowered into temptation. You'll be lowered into situation that can be serious. And you're going to wonder, how did you get there? Because when the preacher told you, you need to live life on purpose for what God called you to do. When the preacher said that, you just kind of dismiss that. We're supposed to live as disciples slash Christians with purpose every day. When you go to work, you're supposed to have purpose. When you go to school, you're supposed to have purpose. When you go to the daycare to pick your kids up, you're supposed to have purpose. You go after school, you're supposed to have purpose. Whatever you do, you're supposed to do it with the real purpose in mind, not what you're really doing. I'm at work doing my job. Yeah, I know I have to do my job and I'm going to do it right. But my mind is constantly saying, how can I do something for the Lord here today? Who is hungry? Who who do you want me to go to, Lord? When I talk to people, here we go, here we go. I don't have a whole lot of room to mess up and speak nasty. I don't have a lot of room to mess up and act like, 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 and treat people unkind. Because there could be a potential person that God has put in my path so I can be a witness to. I can't talk nasty. I can't not respect them. I have to love them, treat them right, respect them and look at them as somebody the Lord potentially wants to save right at this moment. I don't have time to walk around with frown in my face. Can I tell y'all a secret? Ain't no secret no more. 
Sunday when I had to preach at um, in Staten Island, uh, Jordan wanted to come with me. And of course, he started making, he, he was getting ready to make the crying face. Because I said, you can't come. So he, as he was about to form the crying face, I said, Jordy, how about you be in charge at the church and make sure everything go right? All of a sudden, expression changes. Bam! He was good. I said, make sure everything is in order. Make sure everybody's good. And I'll see you when I get back. Okay, Dad, no problems now. Now he's good going to church with his mom. No crying, no nothing. I came home. I said, Jordan, how did it go? Dad had to fire some people. I said, oh, oh, whoa, Jordan, no, 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 no. Luke, he told me I had to fire you because you wasn't smiling. He said he had to fire his mother, his mother, because she didn't say Sister Patrice. She said nanny, and that's not professional. He was running it all down. What is my point for telling you? Yeah, I'll give you a little laugh. But my point for telling you, even Jordan know what we're supposed to be doing for Jesus. Even Jordan know. I never had no discussion telling him. Make sure everybody's smiling. I had none of those discussions. He knew what everybody was supposed to be doing. Now, I'm not going to lie to you and not tell you. He probably got a little bit of something in his blood because he's my child. But some of the stuff he came up with, I'm like, how did he know that? But he was able to point out the things that he felt like was good and wasn't good. And so I had to tell him, I said, Jordan, you can't fire people on one mistake. You have to pull people to the side and say to them, you did a good job today. However, you didn't do this properly and this is what you want to do next time. I said, can't fire people, man. You, you, you know, if you keep firing people, nobody will work for you. So he got that. So next time he think he's in charge, I guess we'll be having conversations. I'll see how he has conversations with anybody. <laughs> I'll be interested to see how that go. See if he talk to you, Luke, pull you to the side. Hey, brother Luke, um, I want to see how you do that. Y'all let me know if he had a conversation, how did it go? Because I'm curious to see how that conversation go. But the, 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 the apostles had purpose. They knew what they were supposed to be doing. So when the persecution come, they said, come on, persecution, and do what you're going to do. Because we're supposed to be here. We're, we've been set, sent here by God. And we're going to minister the word of God no matter what happens. I know what I'm supposed to do. That's what they knew. And the saints of God in the church, oh, we got to go. Because we're being persecuted. You did that because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. So, let's move to verse 2. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Verse 3. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hauling men and women committed them to prison. That dude was no joke. But watch this. Therefore, 
they that were scattered. Can I stop right there? Who was scattered? Yes, the church, the disciples. So I am so glad. Y'all are so just great students. Therefore, they that were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Wasn't the apostles preaching the word, Brother Sam? It wasn't the pastor preaching the word. It wasn't this person with this big title preaching the word. It was the church preaching the word. It was the church making disciples. We've messed the church up where we think the pastor, he's supposed to do this and he's supposed to do that. And Lord knows that you all have so much more con- uh, so much more uh, uh, influence than you give yourself credit for. You have so much more influence than what you give yourself credit for. And if you will decide, I am going to reach one person for Jesus, do it and see what happens. Because you're supposed... Uh, he's not asking you to reach a thousand. He's not asking you to reach a whole community. He's not asking you to reach a whole bunch of people. All he wants you to do is one at a time. Because... Only one at a time can you really disciple. Only one at a time can you really allow to follow you because it's not easy to carry two and three and four at a time. Especially with your job, your family, and all that. But if you would do one at a time, make disciples, God will see to it that he will work through you that you're able to do something for the kingdom. They went. Verse 5 says, Then Philip, was Philip an apostle? Anybody know? Study your Bible. Was Philip an apostle? Thank you. Okay. All right. Look at you. Doing all right. I love it. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. I don't know if you know. Jesus started the revival in Samaria and Philip killed it. Philip, in case you don't know about him, he was the guy that this Ethiopian eunuch was on his chariot reading his Bible and Philip pulled up next to him and says, do you know what you're reading? He says, not really. Unless some man of God come and show me what it is. And Philip said, glad you asked. He didn't say it like that. But Philip says, well, hold on. And he taught him about Jesus. The the Ethiopian eunuch was reading the text in Isaiah. And Philip expounded the word of God unto him that much more. And when Philip taught him the word of God, this is how we know. I don't have to ask you if you need to get baptized. Philip taught him. The eunuch says, there is water. What does hinder me to get baptized? Because Philip taught him so well. He says, I need to get baptized. (laughs) My goodness, let me get baptized. And he got baptized. Then the word of God says, and then Philip was taken away. Meaning he was translated into another place. 
And he preached the gospel there in Samaria in another place where he was. Again, was Philip an apostle? So we keep on waiting to what? Get a title before we start reproducing ourselves? <laughs> Here's a little revelation for you. Just popped in my mind. And since it's flowing with the scripture, I might as well let it flow for you. <laughs> you ready for this? Man, y'all better come to, tell people to come to Thursday night Bible study. Because God don't talk to me this much on Sunday mornings. What in the world? I, I might got a problem with the Lord. <laughs> you don't get your title mother until you become a mother. This is the Lord, I'm telling you, just drop it in me. You can't get no title in Christ until you do what you're supposed to do. When you reproduce yourself in God, that's when you can start claiming some titles. There's a lot of people that have claimed titles, but they really not what they say they are because you can only become a title person, a title holder, when you have done something. You can't be father without having a child. You can't be mother without having a child. Well, how are you going to be pastor? How are you going to be apostle? How are you going to be whatever you want to be and you never did anything? And so if you're waiting for a title to do something, you will never get it. You can never get the title until you do something. So if you come to church and says, well, I'm not this and I'm not that, so he can't be talking to me and it's not time yet. Okay. You're just going to sit in that seat right there for a long time. Keep on saying that same thing. Keep on singing that same old song. You keep waiting for something to happen. You keep waiting for God to, I don't know what, but you want God to do something. And God is saying, I've already given you the instructions. What are you waiting for? You're sitting in your seat. When you go and trust me and begin to look to see what I want to do through you, then you will find yourself growing in me. Then I will title you. Reason why a lot of people go, went to church for so long and stay in the same place they didn't go. Because they think going is supposed to be for title people. But title people didn't get their title until... So what are we going to do, church? I don't need nobody to... See, when you go, you don't need nobody to tell you who you are. This is why I'm so comfortable. Some people want to call me this and call me that or not call... It doesn't matter to me because here it is. I know where my title come from. I know who the giver of title is. And I know how he gives his titles. You know what I love about the Lord? Jesus couldn't do much in his community, in, his, in, 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 in the area he was from, because to them he was just Jesus. But sooner or later, Zion, you don't have to prove yourself. Listen to me. There's some things I can tell you because I know them. I keep my mouth shut, Brother Chuby, and I don't try to prove anything. 
because I, I just sit back and kind of have my own little smirk with the Lord because I watch him do stuff on me doing nothing. I just sit back all the time and I watch him sneak things in and I'm like, stop it, Lord. The pastor that I preached for on Sunday, I didn't notice about him. But when we went out to lunch after service, Brother Lee Stone King is a legend among our movement. Legend. Legend. Nobody like him. And if the Bible is still being written, his name would be in the Bible. I'm just telling you, that's how good he is, okay? If the Bible is still being written, Lee Stone King's name would be in here, okay? But I was with Brother Carter at lunch, and Brother Carter said, you know, I don't go around publicizing, but you know, when Lee Stone King started out and he was evangelizing, it was me and him that was on the road. Yeah, he was the big name, but I was with him. It was, we're buddies. That's my friend. And as a matter of fact, Lee Stone King's first wedding he performed was me and my wife. Brother Carter is 70, probably 70 years old. And I'm just like, I'm driving home like, man, God, you allowed me to preach in a preacher's pulpit like that? This man's 70 years old. He's been among some awesome people and he knows this thing. He's not going to have no shabby people come to his church. Since I've been living for God, I've never force one door. I've never opened any door. I've never done anything for myself for what God has done. I'm only telling you to let you know it just start with you going. So that's what I'm trying to get through to you. Not for anything else. Just go and watch what he will do. And for all the people that don't respect you and don't think you're anything, you don't have to say anything to them because when God elevates you, they won't have nothing to do with it and they can't say nothing about it. When Jesus died and rose and ascended to heaven, that's when they was like, oh snap, Mary's son, Joseph the, the stepdad, that was really the son of God. They was catching it when he was ascending to heaven. Get out of here. Hey, y'all catching it late. We need to understand that if we will go, if we will just every day wake up with purpose. Psychology said, psychology said, the happiest you will ever be and the most joy you will ever experience is when you have impacted somebody's life for the good. What am I trying to tell you? Purpose is in God. And whatever it is that have you more concentrating on that or more focused on that more than God, you will never be more fulfilled in that than you will be in God. That's what I'm really trying to get to you. So if, 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 if it's just, I don't know, whatever it is in your life that you feel sidetracked doing and you enjoy it, you can't get fulfillment in that 
as you can when you say, God, I'm going because you have called me to the kingdom to go and minister the gospel and make disciples. I'm going to do that. If you will go and do that, you will experience the greatest joy. Listen. When we don't obey this instruction that God has given us, we get easily hurt. We get easily frustrated. We fight with one another easily. We just, we get sidetracked real easy when we don't do this. When you do this, you can think about my kids. I wish they would be you know, go to college and be something great. I wish they would be in church. You can think of a lot of things. And you'll be wanting it and hoping for it for your kids. And you can get down when you don't see it. But if you do what God's saying, go. When you come out of those thoughts, you still is revitalized, energetic, motivated, and pushed. Because you know, yeah, but the other day, when I talked to that sister about Jesus Christ and she just was in tears and came to church and man, oh man, she gave her life to God. Man, look at her now. There's nothing better than that. We need to really understand how that work. We got to go. We got to tell people about Jesus, we got to invite them to church. <laughs> Listen to this. I put myself under some scrutiny sometimes just to make sure I'm doing right. So I was blessed and fortunate to finally be able to get a new car. The car that I was driving was a 2005 Mercedes ML 350 trying to sell it now and I and that was a 2005 I was able to buy a 2014 and the drive is night and day I said man car making is like I mean triple time I mean these things feel good and I started laughing I said if I was just a lukewarm Christian I'd have planned a trip for me and my family to go someplace already Cause that thing drive real good. You hear me? That thing, I mean, I mean, I got serious satellite radio. When I close the door, the, the mirrors go, and close up. Every channel on the, on the, it's like having cable on wheels. I don't have to use earpiece. You can talk to me straight through the car now. I mean, everything going on. I'm like, Lord, this is crazy. Man, you, y'all improved car making from 2005 to 2014 like this? But I smiled to myself because I says, ain't nowhere for me to go but keep preaching the gospel. And so and I'm just telling you how it works when you understand your purpose. You like nice car. I wish I had somewhere to drive to, but I don't. I'm going to work and I'm going to church. And you put that on you when you know you have purpose. If I was playing games, I didn't have purpose. Brother Scarlett, me and my family taking a trip on Thursday. We coming back um, Sunday morning. 
We want to go feel this bins how it feel. Ooh. But I laugh at that. Because I heard a preacher used to always say, Devil, you should have killed me when I first got started, but it's too late now. Because what I know and how I want to please God is too late now, devil. I don't have a choice but to just go ahead and just love the Lord and do what God wants me to do. Because this is what we've been called to do. And we get frustrated and we get sidetracked and all kind of things will happen in our life when we don't fulfill the purpose that God called us to the kingdom for. If we don't reproduce ourselves, if we don't make disciples, we're going to find ourselves being tossed in the wind, the wind of this world, tossed to and fro, and we're going to wonder what in the world is going on. Disciple making must be intentional. Nobody luck up and make disciples. Nobody just like coincidentally make disciples. You have to do it on purpose. You remember Ananias, not the one where him and his wife lied and they fell, but Ananias that prayed for the apostle Paul for him to receive his sight and for him to receive the Holy Ghost. Remember that guy? When the spirit of the Lord came unto him and says, Ananias, I want you to go to the street called straight. For there's one called Saul from Tarsus. He's praying. Now, was Ananias a disciple? I mean, the literal word, yes. But, you know, we keep on thinking the apostles. He wasn't. He was just a regular guy that have a relationship with God praying. And because he was praying and had the desire and was being intentional in God, God can speak to him. We want God to speak to us for nothing. If I test you right now and says, tell me what you want to hear from God, I guarantee you it would have nothing to do with his will, his purpose for your life. I guarantee you. Don't even say it. And don't try to make something up. Just what's deep in your heart. If I put the mic to your mouth and says, what you be wanting God to speak to you? Yes, I know. Sickness. Um, take off financial burdens off of me. Um, go on on. The, the first one that would be according to God's purpose, my kids to be saved. But that would probably be like five, four down the line. If you ought to say what you wanted God to speak to you about. Now, just, just, just you want to hear his voice. Many of us wouldn't want to hear his voice. For his purpose in our life. We want to hear his voice for something we want. And that will answer your question as opposed to why will God talk to you? God wants to talk to us. But not about the stuff we want to talk about. You ever been talking to somebody? And they start talking like, man, I don't feel like listening to this. Yeah. Oh, because I'm saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, at least I know Sister Patrice is talking to me about all the times with Patrice talking to people. You're like, I don't want to talk to them about this. There you go. I'm sure God does that to us. They're talking to me about some. I just don't. Come on now. 
Every morning you get on your knees asking the same thing. If you ain't got it by now, don't you know? I just don't want to give that to you right now. But we keep on praying that prayer so God can give us what we want. And then we don't get it. And then we pout like little babies. And God is saying, didn't I tell you, seek ye first the kingdom? Give no thought on what you may eat or what you may drink or what you need to put on or where you're going to live. God said, don't give any thought for that. We keep on forgetting that he's our father. If your father, who can't even compare with God, give you good gifts. I'm in the word, y'all. How much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give unto you? But somehow you act like your father in heaven is keeping things from you and don't want to give you nothing. So you're pouting. So you won't go. Listen, God is ready to do something wonderful and something great. I said this to Brother Carter, and he gave me something that kind of supported it, so I'll give this to you, give us, give you some of our conversation we had. So, and I'm almost done here. So, I was telling him that, you know, if we check scripture, God, oh, I know how we got there. I preached about what I preached to you all. I said after that service at Pastor Carter, I said, if y'all don't want to respond to the preaching, I'm going to shut the church down and go be an evangelist. That ain't funny, huh? <laughs> I said, because wherever I go and preach what I preach to y'all, they go crazy. I'm just telling you, <laughs> when I had an altar call Sunday at Satin Island, not one person was in their seat. Everybody was moved by the word of God and by the spirit of God. I preached, remember, I preached the same message I preached about um, um, what is your desire? Like it all, it, it starts with a desire. And we talked about desire. Remember, we talked about it a few weeks ago. And I, I said to them, which I had said to you all, that God will meet you at the level of your desire. Didn't I say that to you? Okay. And so, Pastor Carter, in his awesome wisdom, says, you know, you were so on top of your game, and that was so true. He brought up the scripture of the woman that she asked the prophet to bless her. And she had nothing. And the prophet said, well, what do you have? I want to bless you. And she didn't have anything. And then he, he said, what's that over there? A, 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 a container for oil. He said, that's all you got. She said, yeah, that's all I got. And so she went and borrowed containers from everybody. And the oil started flowing. And every container that she had was filled and filled and filled. And his point to me was, you were right on, Brother Wyatt, because here's the story. If that woman only had that one vessel for oil, that's all he was going to fill. And when she stopped getting vessels, that's when the oil stopped. But if she would have continued getting vessels, the oil would have kept on coming. And the point is, 
If we will give God what to work with, the flow will just continue without stopping. But we don't give God nothing to work with and there's no flow. So give God something to work with. You want, God, you, you want to experience miracles? You want to experience the, the, the power of God? Stop telling them about your financial situation. I remember when I was shopping for my car. I've been shopping for a car since like about November, October, November of 2016. And man, I would get shut down. Go here, not working out. Go there, not working out. And at the time I was going all over, my car, the, the catalytic converter started acting up. You remember I told you it was just, and all kind of stuff. And then everywhere I would go to try to get a deal done, it just wouldn't work out. And the car was acting up. And all of a sudden, the car started driving good again. I don't know what happened. I didn't pray for it. I didn't lay hand on it or anything. It, all of a sudden, it started running like it ran every other time, just smooth sailing. One night, me and my brother, Brother White, got in the car. We driving to Newark. And he says, this the car? I said, yeah. Then one Saturday on my grandmother's birthday in February, I drove to Irvington, just killing it. Drove back and then drove to Atlantic City. We took her out to dinner, killed it down there, came back. The car just purring. Like, what's going on? And then the other day, it went back to uh, jerking. And sure enough, the deal worked out. At no time, I fussed with God. At no time, I worried about it. I just kept, Sister Sylvia said, she looked at me the other day and said, poor pastor, he need a car. Look at that. <laughs> I didn't fuss about it. I just really didn't care. Because I'm just like, when you ready, dude, you'll make sure it work out. And sure enough, he makes sure, make sure it work out. Everything just ran smooth. Everything was just, I mean, you know when God is in it, that just everything is just done right. Yes, it is. And so, we need to continue the mission. we got to continue the mission. God wants to use us in a special way to do special things for him. You can't be intimidated. You can't be worried about anything. And as I keep telling you, don't worry about, um, we won't have enough space in here. That ain't your business. Do you, do you understand that about God? You don't worry about the things that's out of your control. And a lot of times we go to God praying about stuff that's, that, 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 that we control. And God says, I don't listen to the prayer, those prayers because you're in control of that. This don't have anything to do with lesson, but I'm closing with this. You know the scripture that says, if my people who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. What comes after seek my face? Hmm? Oh, look at the Bible people. So the scripture says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. The key, key, key part of that text is turn. We do all the other part and we don't get any response. And we're wondering why we didn't get any response. 
He said, turn. And so here's what we do. Here's the revelation in that. While we're going through and we're struggling and we're still doing our little sins, we're praying and God is not listening. Because we didn't turn from the little sins. That's the, that's the big one right there. So we haven't received a lot of responses from the Lord. Because we're praying, we're seeking his face, but we are not turning. And when you turn, God will respond to you. Got to turn. And so we want to see things work out in our life and see God do great things, but we're not turning. The turning means, and turning is, it, 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 it's about repentance. When you truly, you know, feel bad about what you've done against God, forget about everybody else. It starts with God. When you realize you have offended God and you begin to pray and you turn, what you're telling God is, now I'm prepared and ready to go do your will. Because God, good and evil don't mix. You, you can't have good and evil coming from the same tree. And so he's waiting for us to turn. And we got to get to the place where we realize, man, I got I got to I got to turn. So some of us are getting held up from the going because we haven't turned. What do you have to lose by turning? What do you have to lose? Where are we right now? The return of the Lord is really close. And we better realize that. Those of you that are in the class CSTI, you know that the return of the Lord is close. Let me show you how close. We don't know the date. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But let me show you how close. The Bible says this generation shall not pass without seeing the coming of the Lord. Now, what kind of this generation is talking about? And the scripture will show you it was talking to Israel at the time, the nation of Israel, that generation. But it couldn't have been talking about them back when that prophecy came because they were scattered. They were not in their country. They were not a, a, a nation. They were all over the place. They were not together. And in 1948, Israel became a nation again. Now, the question is, we don't know if it's 1948 or 68 that they became recognized in the eyes of God or according to spiritual things. And so a generation is how long? Anybody know what a generation is? Y'all should know CSDI people. 70 years. Three score and ten. So if you have lived the if you get to 70 years old, you live the life that was promised to you. 70. If you if you get less than that, you didn't make it. But 70 is the generation. And so if you count 48 or you deduct you you minus uh if you do 2017 and you minus 48 from that, what do you got? Somebody do that. Do, do 2017 minus 1948. We're out. We're done. I'm just, I'd just like to educate you. 70 years 
70 years will be next year. I'm not telling you Jesus is coming next year because, as I said, we don't know how the spiritual calendar works in the eyes of the Lord and how he's looking at it. But what I'm going to tell you is it looked pretty safe that he'll come within the next 20 years. That's all I'm saying. Look pretty safe that he'll come in the next 20 years. I'm not prophesying anything. I'm just going by what the scripture says. A generation is 70 years. And he was talking about the nation of Israel becoming a nation again. And saying, once they become a nation again, that generation will not pass without seeing the coming of the Lord. So the coming of the Lord could be a year or within 20 years from now. We don't know. But the bottom line is, what's going to get us ready is going and fulfilling our purpose in God. Let's stand. Any questions?